Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day, scholars, and welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm this week's host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge just about every single week, even though we've just had two weeks off on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts from. Best way for you to support, as always, is to rate, review, subscribe. Why don't you hit us up on social media? It's on uh, Twitter. It's W-S-B-F-U-N, all one word over there on Twitter. Millions of followers over there. Or you can get us on Instagram. It's wrestling should be fun, all one word. Why don't you add this to your Instagram story? Or as always, if you're a bit old fashioned like me, why don't you ring your nan or uh, write a letter to your mum or act this out as a play on a balcony with all your family and friends for your local community. Uh, anyone getting tired of this same old shtick every week? Nah, repetition, that's how you get listeners on top. Uh, anyone getting tired of this same old shtick every week? Nah, repetition, that's how you get listeners on top. I'm not flying solo this week. We're going old school. We got the proper crew back together. I am joined this week by everyone's favourite, number one in our hearts, number one on the call-up sheet. This is Ross the Boss Casey. Roscoe, what's the story? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Dom, how are you? I am very, very well, thank you. Uh, number two in your hearts. <laughs> uh, we we got another couple of mats here with us today. Firstly, it's Mr. Matthew Vincent from it. Brum, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad, mate. A little bit of a flying visit from me, so I'll just uh, get my shit in early and leave in the first match because I've got a main event to make in Plymouth. Yeah, yeah. Like riddle that time. I love that. Uh, we've got a double bill of mats. It's almost like a War Games match, double mats. We've got Big Laddie Cool, Matt Connolly. How are you, Matt? Yep, much like everyone else, just uh, in a good, solid mood, ready to chat some wrestling. Love to be joined by you on a Monday evening. Finally, rounding out our round table, we have got Josh the Fox Hetty. Am I saying your surname correctly, Josh? I realise I've never said that out loud before. No, absolutely not. It's Hedy, but you are not <laughs> the first to say it wrong, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Hedy's better. Look at changing that, brother, brother. <laughs> 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 Mate, I'm so sorry. Feel feel free to edit that out. We can just say Josh the Fox. I don't mind. I'll go with either. Hedy's <laughs> his shoot name. Hedy's his gimmick name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely outstanding. Apologies, Fox. That's that's brilliant. Okay, so uh, we are back here. Wrestling should be fun. It's episode 80, dear listener. And like I said, we're kicking it old school. We are bypassing a call-up sheet this week, and we're getting straight into the meat and potatoes, right to the high spots. It is what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Right. So, what the nerds are watching. This always goes well for a host when you got 46 people in the booth. But I want to start us off this week, fellas, because we had a really, really nice wrestling should be fun get together the other day. Last, uh, what day of the week was that? Last Tuesday at Riot Cabaret at the Clapham Grand. So, show I probably think was most notable for a big debut from a man under the hood, Mr. Blobby. And I say this because I had no fucking idea who it was. Anyway, lads, I'm going to throw it over to the people that were there first. Ross and Matt Connolly were with me, as, as well as uh, JCH and Shads and Mike and uh, about six blokes called Harry. 
John Collins, all there. Fellas, what were your thoughts about Wright Cabaret? Do you want to start with Blobby, Connolly? I know you're a Blobby man. Oh, <laughs> who wasn't a Blobby man if you grew up in England or the UK even in the 90s? Uh, it was so good. Could you please tell the listener how you explain Mr Blobby to me? Uh, was it as the, the biggest cultural think... icon of yeah. the mid-90s <laughs> in the UK? I think... I'm pretty sure it was something like you said. He's the biggest pop culture or cultural icon in 1995. Yeah. He would be number one. And then I'm pretty sure you said something like he was the top drawer in the entire country. Yeah, he would have been. I think Noel's House Party was the most watched show and he had his Christmas number one. I mean, that's the double, right? Yeah, that's what show Christmas number one. Lobby yeah. was just on fire during the mid nineties. Forget Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, those Gallagher's nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just great. Like it was silly nonsense, and all the all the guys and girls in the ring at the same time all just made it a great moment as well. Uh, Session Moth, um, Danny Black was in the ring at the time, and uh, Crowley, Alexis Falcon, they all just sold for Blobby as well. It was just a really nonsense moment and like for people of our age and our vintage it was just brilliant nostalgia if you can have a 90s rumble have a 90s icon in it and yeah blobby was great i loved it absolutely outstanding there was some serious wrestling on the show as well what i enjoyed about the right cabaret show i felt that the first half there was a lot of silly stuff and a lot of gimmicks and obviously blobby main evented the first half but second half was pure wrestling with uh, the OJMO versus Robbie X, and then, of course, a fantastic main event, uh, Sunshine Machine versus Spike Trevay and his mystery partner. Ross, any uh, any opening thoughts in your, uh, what, opening address? Well, firstly, I'm annoyed how close I came to getting my uh, prediction of Caranoir and <laughs> Spike Trevay to be tag team champions in 2023. I'm not entirely sure if it's going to happen in progress, but I'll tell you what, they worked brilliantly as a pair, I thought. I thought Cara Noir did an amazing job of being that kind of... I don't fully know the story behind why he owes Spike anything in the world of Riot Cabaret, but the fact that he was going to the lengths of having to do like low blows and things, which is obviously something that we weren't expecting, I was putting my finger up at Cara Noir and being like, fuck you, Cara, in that match. Only for then for it to flip again when he finally turns on the like, is it greedy vultures they're called? The like stable that he has. Yeah. Then it obviously went back back into place how it should be with uh, Kara as the good guy and Spike as the bad guy. I loved it. The match was incredible, full of drama, full of tension. I must admit that I went away from that cabaret show probably on the side of probably won't ever go to a show like this again. And I definitely wouldn't pay full price because we were lucky enough to get comp tickets through Mike. But that final match changed everything for me. I was like, if they're telling stories as good as this, then I'm definitely coming back. Wrestling should be fun boss, Ross Casey, just saying for the first time ever, he doesn't think he would pay full price for a wrestling show. Mate, and- I, I'm going to give the other lads a chance to talk, but did you want to elaborate at all? Like, I'm not, I don't want this to be a big, you know, put the boots in, but what's the story? You love everything. I do love everything, but. I didn't like the fact that it was kind of people didn't seem to be there to enjoy the wrestling. People seemed to be there for a night out. 
And I must admit that I feel a bit, I don't really like being around in wrestling crowds like that. I don't know why, I, I just don't. Plus, I added into that the fact that I couldn't really see anything for about six of the matches. Probably doubled down my feelings on that. And once the crowd cleared, for some reason, after the blobby <laughs> match, we had far better sight lines in the second half. I don't know why, or people left early or just moved upstairs or something. I don't know. But I think the sight lines improved. Plus, we got Oku and, Ro- and Robbie X, which was amazing. My just feelings around the event changed massively. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I, whilst this wasn't my plan, but whilst we're talking about this, like, Conman, like, what were your sort of overall thoughts on the show vis-a-vis enjoyment and would you return at full price? The price is really less of an issue. Not, I mean, obviously price is an issue in this climate. I'm not trying to be like oh. some sort of baller over here. Um, but he's, I mean, he's, just, sense, he's dropped his monocle in his brandy, dear listener. Yeah. Um, for me, it was more that the, yeah, the sight lines were a big issue for me. I'm not the tallest lad in the group. And I don't think I saw a single match clear. I can only see Blobby because he's about nine foot. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so that was my biggest issue is just that I couldn't really see anything clear enough. And um, it's a great cracking venue, like in terms of look, all the talent and stuff and the matches seem really fun. But I couldn't honestly tell you I saw a match top to bottom. And obviously I had to go early because of the train strike as well, which just tips it off. I think there's loads of positives to Riot Cabaret, but me personally, I probably need a lot of convincing to do another one. But that's nothing really to do with the product that was put out more to do with stuff they probably can't help. It was really interesting for me. And I, like, I do have to apologise because I've got, we've got Brum and Josh here that weren't there, but just to sort of finish off on this, I, like, I guess I have a couple of thoughts on it. And these are sort of unprepared remarks. Like I was quite the opposite. I was like kind of buzzing to be amongst a wrestling group, um, not a wrestling group, a wrestling crowd that w- was a bit more casual. But I, I sort of fed off that and like, People popping for stuff that when we go to Progress or RevPro, it doesn't even get a pop. Like someone hits a DDT and gets up, you know, yeah, brother, firing up. And everyone's gone absolutely banana. Whereas like at Progress, people are like, oh, yeah, DDT, right. Ah, oh, the po- po- Poison Rana, yeah, Shooting Star, whatever, you know, okay, TK. You know? <laughs> and like I, I really enjoyed that sort of innocence of that crowd. One thing I didn't enjoy were the anti-progress chants from uh, one group of people who clearly were once progress fans but are in the group who have decided not to go to progress. I was talking to a wrestler, actually. I I don't know if I should name who this wrestler was. I was talking to them um, on their way out of the building. I just happened to bump into them. And that guy, let's not give him a full name. His name was Eddie D. No, that's too obvious. E. Dennis. And... um, Mr. Edward Dennis, he was saying that he felt like the vibe was like really positive to have casual fans on a Tuesday night, but he thinks that, right, Cabaret Moving Forward need to capitalise on that even more and try to get more like walk-ins on their way home from work, you know, and stuff like that, people that aren't in the Brit Rest Wrestling community already. So, uh, like, I wasn't going to mention that, but I just think, like, that's so interesting that we have such different viewpoints within this group, right? On the one hand, there's sort of Ross who likes his hardcore punk rock pro wrestling, if I may use that cliche, crowd. And then on the other hand, the wrestlers themselves, they want more casuals. That's just to, really interesting. Just to reiterate, I'm not being a gatekeeper. I'm happy for people to have that crowd. i just rather not be in it. <laughs> but yeah, Ross, I think, well, if anyone listens to this um, podcast 
at all. If if this is your first time with us, you're very, very welcome, dear listener, and I hope you've made it through my rambling introduction. But if um, anyone that's been here before, Ross, knows that you're the most positive guy in London. So I don't, you know, there's no, I, I, I'm just, it's lovely to have, you know, different viewpoints. Absolutely. Because normally it's just an hour of, yeah, that was great. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm going to throw it over to, to the Fox. Josh, any, uh, anything you want to bring up as far as, you know, what you've been watching this week? Uh, so for my blog, what I'm doing this year is for every day this year, I'm going to try and keep it going all year, is I watch at least one show or one match and then make a note of the best match I saw that day, if that makes sense. Give us a plug, mate. You're allowed to plug it. Uh, nobodyisready.com after the catchphrase of Oscar. Just to run through the list so far, for example, I've got matches from Noah, from Raw, from NXT, from New Japan. So I basically watch everything these days. It costs me a lot of money in subscription fees, but I've quite enjoyed expanding my horizons as a wrestling fan, if that makes sense. Yeah. I watch everything, basically. So what's the best match you saw today? I can tell you the best match I saw yesterday, which was yep. yesterday. Hiromo Takahashi and Yo for New Japan, which was excellent. Do you ever do you just do current stuff? Like, is it got to be stuff that sort of happened recently, yeah, so or some, do you well, do you mean in general or just this list? Well, yeah, yeah, this list really. Like, I wonder so if this you're list like, is, oh, the- yeah. So this list is literally matches that happened on shows that took place on this day, like literally on today, for example. So, like yeah. today's match will be something from Raw tonight, for example, and then Tuesdays yeah. will probably be something from NXT, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Oh, brilliant. And is there anything that you wanted to sort of shine a light on now, you know, now that you've got the uh, millions and millions of Wrestling Should Be Fun listeners? So I've watched quite a lot of Impact recently. I know we've spoke about it on the pod in recent weeks. Just, I mean, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, but it might have been Common actually, who said that Impact have had a really good year. And as I've started watching their weekly shows as well, they've got some really good stuff uh, from names that I think people will be semi-familiar with. I know I've spoken to Ross as well recently. I've started watching NXT again, which I was very much an NXT black and gold guy back in the day. And kind of NXT 2.0 was very much to me what WWE ECW probably was to an original ECW fan. It was very much a slap in the face of everything that a brand that I grew to love was. And whilst this NXT isn't what it used to be, I think it's a pretty decent hybrid of 2.0 and the kind of Triple H black and gold days. So, yeah, I would recommend people who maybe watch NXT when Triple H is in charge to kind of, you know, give it a go again because, yeah, there's some good stuff on there too. I put Vengeance Day on and watched it with varying degrees of attention. Uh, yeah. But I, I, got, I got through the whole show. I, like anyone, I mean, that opener was an absolute barn burner, right? I think that, you know, the entire wrestling world was, you know, pretty enamoured with that match. I knew that Dijak could work an outstanding match with um, a smaller, more athletic man from, you know, one of my matches of the year from previous years, Donovan Dijak versus Josh Bowden for RevPro. I saw that match twice in person, which I'm not, this is not a joke. Like, genuinely, that was like my match of the year that year. Um, but really the thing that stood out for me was just, fucking hell, it turns out that Wes Lee's is going to be a single star, right? Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He really is. I don't know if we want to discuss the team, but if for people who watch the team or even watch the Rascals back in the day, I think Trey Miguel has obviously gone on to be a star in Impact on his own. I don't think everyone was really paying attention to who is now Wesley. But yeah, since he's gone on his own, he's been on a bit of a journey as a character. And then in ring, he's, he's fucking great. Unbelievable athlete, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, brilliant. And a good babyface as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. And probably like deceptively large, like athletic, and he's probably got a bit more size than what you think. I, I like I'm not sure he'd look out of place in, in the ring with anyone. If he if he's in there with Dijak and, and didn't look out of place, like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a Spike Dudley match. Like he's yeah, so he's not yeah. one of one of the first shows I went to was a, a Ring of Honor show actually in Leicester, and the match on that show was Dijak against Leo Rush. And obviously next to Leo, he looked like a fucking giant. So I can't confirm he is a huge man in general. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like Ross Conman, any thoughts on uh, on Vengeance? I'll echo the uh, love for that match. I thought it was phenomenal, and similar to what you said, like I think I'd slept on him as well. Um, I think he's been doing some really underrated promo work as just being the most normal, relatable man on this balmy NXT 2.0 roster where everyone's got these characters turned up to well it's usually 11 i think these ones are turned up to 12 13 i mean he's facing dijak who's doing a an 80s movie bad guy thing hard justice you've got the interference from the mafia characters old d'angelo and his boy i mean all these crazy characters around and he kind of centers it with this kind of really relatable like yeah i've had some hard times but now i'm just really good and i want to win like he just (laughs) I, i just think he's a really cool underrated character in that roster now and to see him go and perform like that I thought was, yeah, it was an outstanding match. It's, it's one of the matches of the year for me, probably top three already. I know it's like we're only a month in, but for NXT to be producing that, when you've had, you know, Wrestle Kingdom and the Rumble and stuff, I think that match was sensational. Ross, anything to add? On to that match itself, nothing in terms of the match itself. It was amazing, incredible. But I will say, should that match have gone on first? I no, feel, no way. I think I should probably that, just repeat the chat we've had, Ross, off the pod. I actually felt burnt out a match in. Yeah. I was like... There was about 25 kickouts in that match, and I loved it. But I was almost like, what I need now is a talk segment. (laughs) And obviously, this was a pure wrestling event and all about giving the girls and the boys their their chance to shine in the ring. But my Lord, it was hard to follow that match. And I feel like even the two out of three falls match suffered a little bit because that was an attempt to go kind of long and drawn out. And because it wasn't as spectacular as that opener, kind of fell flat in a way. And I feel like that match may have shone a bit brighter had that first match happened elsewhere. There's different ways to structure a wrestling show, isn't there? I, I know Pritchard always talks about the second best match of the night or the second most important match of the night should go on first. But yeah, like you say, when there's going to be 13 kickouts and false finishes, is is it going to drain the crowd? I, I felt a bit drained after it, but I just put that down to me just being like a, a casual wrestling watcher whilst I'm on Instagram or whatever, but um, you know, <laughs> death, death scrolling. I was going to say, is it like also they probably knew how great this match was going to be. They know the guys inside out. They knew the sort of match we're going to have. Correct me if I'm wrong, was this their first pay-per-view show back on the road? Yeah. Um, so maybe they just wanted it to go back to the old feel and just went, what's our biggest banger? Which I personally on paper would have thought was going to be the Carmelo match. But it turned out it was this Wesley match. So maybe they just wanted the crowd just super hot early to show that, look, we're back and this is how it's going to so be now. The last, the last NXT show, which I recall was on the road, I think was Portland. And I very much recall that opened with Keith Lee and Dijakovic for the same title. And that was an unbelievable match as well. So, like you're saying, maybe they just wanted to open with a fucking banger and go from there. I think the last one was stand from last year, right? Oh, mainly last year, yeah. 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 The Champa send-off and what have you. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, okay. They've always done the Mania ones. Uh, 
uh, standalone is a bit different though, isn't it? You know, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the main event. I genuinely think you can count on one hand the amount of good steel cage matches in wrestling history. I just think it's an overrated gimmick match. But I just want to give a big up to my man, Matty Wahlberg, Grayson Waller. That kid's a fucking star. He should have won Survivor Australia, and he didn't. And, uh, <laughs> and he, like, he, he had a great season on Survivor. And um, he also is just an outstanding NXT superstar. And I really hope that it translates into weekly episodic television uh, on a major network very soon because uh, he's got something. I think this feud's helped him step out of the budget Miz character he had. I think there's more dimension to his character having his feud with Nonbreaker. Did anyone else get the little hint of a double turn towards the end? Yeah, yeah. Me and Ross discussed this earlier because we kind of felt that, oh, yeah, obviously Bron's all about aggression and stuff, but like he fucking battered Grayson towards the end of it, didn't he? Like properly brutalised him. Well, the, the things he was saying weren't very likeable. Yeah, this is exactly. Whatever he's saying, this is what he's saying, my yard or some shit. Like he runs the um, show or something like that, yeah. It's almost like he yeah. was a Steiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've set up for a real banger now as well, right? Like, yeah, wrong I think break really on Carmelo. To position, it, to position it in a sense that going into essentially their WrestleMania, they've got their two top single stars for the, going for the title. So I think they've positioned that really well. I know it's, a, it's on a bigger scale because it's NXT, but it reminds me of when 205 did the Cedric Ali, like Heart v Soul. I feel like the Carmelo best. and Bron Breaker is very much in yeah. that kind of... The two guys yeah. that have been carrying the brand during the lockdown and, and for the last year, and now they get their chance to finally collide. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's going to be super interesting how the heel-face dynamic goes between now and the show because it's going to be incredibly hard to keep Mello as the heel for the next yeah. six weeks or so. But yeah, my, my overall NXT thoughts were, yeah, the matches were fantastic and everyone did themselves proud. There wasn't a, a dud match. But the main thing for me is that they're telling good stories. Not only are they doing that on the main roster, they're also doing it on NXT. And you go from one show excited to then see the next show, which is the important thing, right? Yeah. So I'm not sure if anybody else has got any pressing issues as far as what the nerds are watching. I just had one last thing that I wanted to touch on very quickly, and that was back to Riot Cabaret, doubling around. It's just the one quick shout-out for everyone else, star of the night, Mr. Blobby, but you want to talk about someone who's big and thick in person. You want to play me hard? Phrasing. No, I don't. Well, then you better nut up. Phrasing. Because I've swallowed just about as much as I can take from you. Hey, phrasing. My new favorite wrestler. There's a guy there who works an opera singer gimmick. They call him the King of Song Style, and he does a Joe Hendry parody song upon his entrance, dissing his opponent. And his, his name is... Uh, Matthew Brooks, I believe it was. He's built like an absolute brick shit house. He's got that like proper pack body, voice of an angel, and like had the crowd eating out the palm of his hand. Matt Brooks, I tagged him on Instagram, so I found out a little bit about him when I was trying to find him to tag. Opera trained by like London Theatre Art School, something like that. Pro wrestling trained by Brian Kendrick in the US of A. So uh, the King of Songs style, keep an eye out for that. That's, uh, that's Dom Van Dam's favourite five of the week. Feel free also, to chip in, lads. Also talking about Riot, shout out to Top Gun. Get well soon, mate. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
kicking it old school this week, dear listeners. So we're going to transition into our wrestling should be fun roundtable. We haven't done one of these for a while. I guess I should probably do an intro. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable includes memories of Man Up, Jay Briscoe, and a Brick Rest State of the Union address. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable. Okay, fellas, I know it's a couple of weeks um, since the tragic passing of Jay Briscoe. And I'm not too sure if you're a regular wrestling podcast listener and a regular wrestler watcher, you, you probably have seen quite a lot of memorial sort of things. AEW did some fantastic stuff with Mark Briscoe in the main event of Dynamite and then Ring of Honor have uh, recorded a Jay Briscoe tribute show in total uh, with Chris Daniels working the main event. I just really, it's selfishly for me, we haven't done a pod for a couple of weeks and I just really wanted the opportunity to maybe share just some memories about Jay um, and Mark as well, obviously, but in memory of Jay and the idea is just a chance for us to share anything that we have and maybe bring up some positive memories for our listener or maybe to give you an idea about what, if you're not too familiar with the Briscoes and their work, what you should go and have a look for. Reach for the sky, boy. So, uh, fellas, I, you know, we've mentioned on the pod before, Josh said that he's a NXT black and gold man. Well, I was a Ring of Honor robot, as they called us in the early 2000s. Really, my first foray into independent wrestling was Ring of Honor, and I lived and breathed it. And really a pillar of that, and I'm not just saying this, but an absolute pillar of those early years of Ring of Honor were the Briscoe brothers and Jay Briscoe. Just really, I'm not going to give a, it's not a career retrospective, just a couple of memories from me that I remember and then you lads might chip in with a couple of yours because I know that our fandom of Ring of Honor spanned different periods. So my first memory genuinely when, I think of Jay Briscoe, someone said, give me one memory. I think for me in Ring of Honor's best uh, top three shows of all time, I'm not sure if it's the best, but definitely the top three is a show called At Our Best. And it was named At Our Best because at the time it was really just considered by all Ring of Honor fans as the best show ever in that company's history. And the main event at At Our Best was Jay Briscoe's first ever world title shot. Uh, it was Samoa Joe versus Jay Briscoe in a cage match. And I've been meaning to watch it back since um, Jay passed away, but I, this is the honest truth. I'm not being too emotive, but at the moment I've got the DVD in my shed, but I haven't been able to pull it out and watch it yet. I've been a bit sad and I will though soon, but I'm just going from complete memory. The main part about this match, and it, it just again, this main event in what was considered Ring of Honor's best ever show at the time, and Briscoe did this horrendous blade job that, honestly, I'm not sure if someone said, oh, what's the most blood you can remember in a wrestling match? This is it for me. Honestly, he must have almost hit his skull with this blade job. It was just insane. And I remember it was the first time ever in a wrestling match I can remember watching where Joe's, like, got him 
and he's like got him in the choke, I think. And Briscoe, the blood's not just spurting out of his head. Sorry, this is a bit graphic, lads. It's not, but I loved it, obviously. It's not just spurting out of his head, but it's coagulating. So it's like there's like solid blood dripping from his head. And as a bit of a deathmatch hardcore fan, I fucking loved it. And I, and like, I know that's a weird thing to talk about and like to honor someone's memory as like a hardcore match and how they put their body on the line. But for me, that was something about the Briscoes. Not only did they revolutionize tag team wrestling, but in a singles match against the world champion, for me, Jay Briscoe is the standout memory of the first three years of Ring of Honor. The way he was willing to put his body through that and to, you know, just lose a pint of blood, probably, for that show and to make that show truly at our best. So for me, that was the first one. And then I just wanted to talk a little bit about the Briscoe brothers as a tag team. And I know that um, Josh will chip in with this as well in a minute, but I think everyone knows Briscoe brothers changed tag team wrestling. That's not hyperbole. It's the truth. They changed the way tag team matches ran. They, they changed the finishing sequences of tag team wrestling so that it went from a hot tag and high spots to normally a 10 minute sequence of kickouts. And I mean, people get annoyed by it and they were annoyed at the time. There was no referee five count. It was all double team and a big sprint. But that was, for me, that was the Briscoes. They're the ones that did that. And they had, you know, their worst match that they had over about a five year period there at the late, in the late 2000s would have been four stars. And ones that stand out for me were they did this thing for a while where they wrestled two out of three falls matches. And the, the gimmick was that they they never lost a fall. They used to win everything too straight. And that was sort of, and they were holding the belts and no one could get close to them. And if anyone looked like beating them, the Briscoes would just challenge into two out of three falls and beat them too straight. And it doesn't sound that exciting, but it really was. They beat Austin Aries and Roderick Strong, two falls straight, who were former tag champions and stuff like that. Then these new guys came in and they were a new tag team come over from CZW after the CZW invasion. Kevin Steen and El Generico, or El Stenerico, as we like to call them, um, in Ring of Honor. And uh, they were just trying to find their feet. And the Ring of Honor fans weren't that keen on them. They came in as heels. You know, people said, oh, you're the CZW guys. It's garbage wrestling. You don't deserve to be here. And the Briscoes fucking made them. They were the first team to take a fall off the Briscoes in a two out of three falls match. And that was just a big deal. And then the feud continued. Uh, Steen and Generico, they were jumping them. Weapons got involved. There was a street fight. And then, of course, it all finished with the latter war. Uh, Mark and Jay uh, versus Kevin Steen and El Generico. And one of the most famous matches in Ring of Honor history. So for me, two absolute times uh, that Jay Briscoe really was the best thing in Ring of Honor. Standout memories for me and just one of the reasons that I'm a wrestling fan. Uh, so that's it. For me, I just wanted to give people a little bit of a reference point as to why this guy is so well-remembered and how he changed the industry and just why he was so great. Big up yourself, Jay. Praise be upon him. Josh, I think you sort of fit in as a Ring of Honor fan around about a similar time to me. Yeah, so I actually went to a couple of Ring of Honor shows when they were over here, sort of 2016, 17-ish period. Hadn't really watched much Ring of Honor before. So you can imagine when you see the Briscoes up close, not just on TV, but up close, and you see them for the first time, it's quite like, it's quite the unique look. It's quite the unique gimmick. And they are everything they appear to be. They, it was dead strange. The whole, like, they really have got a presence, which I don't think many had in wrestling. 
just genuine, just game changers, really. I don't think there's a tag team that I can remember that's had the body of work they've had in terms of variety of matches, variety of opponents, different companies. They can wrestle in front of 100 people. They've wrestled at the Tokyo Dome. And that's before you even go into Mark and Jay as, as singles wrestlers as well. And I know everybody and all of their friends are going to talk about it, but very few times in my life as a wrestling fan, I've had matches which genuinely have like changed my whole like outlook on wrestling. Like I'll never forget where I was when I watched that match. But that dog collar match with FTR was like in the top five matches I've ever seen. Just for it, the storytelling was was phenomenal. And even if you've never seen an FTR match or a Briscoe's match, if you haven't followed their journeys as closely as, you know, I have or just anything, if you were watching the match solely on its own, I just think it's it's an, was an absolute masterpiece. And I, I've never seen a match which had the depth of storytelling that had for quite a while. And I would recommend everyone who's listening to this to go and listen to Dax's podcast where he spoke about it recently. And Dax, is, it, the way he dissects wrestling is is phenomenal. But hearing him talk about this match was just amazing. So yeah, if you're ever going to watch another match again, I would highly recommend you consider it being uh, the Doc Collar match recently at the uh, Last Ring of Honor show. Outstanding insight, Josh. I love that. So we've got at our best cage match versus Samoa Joe. We've got uh, Tags versus El Scenerico. And then we've got the Dog Collar match versus FTR. Roscoe, the boss, I know that you again have a bit of a different memory of the Briscoes. You were telling me that when you started watching Ring of Honor, Jay was a singles act. Yeah, somewhat embarrassingly. I didn't even know that the Briscoe brothers were a thing when I started watching um, Ring of Honor. When I was watching Ring of Honor, uh, Kevin Kelly was the commentator. Jim Cornette was the GM. Michael Elgin was king. Jay Briscoe was chasing him. And I absolutely fell in love with Jay Briscoe. He just breeds authenticity, doesn't he? Someone that you truly believed he is that character. And by God, he was that character, wasn't he? A chicken farmer from Delaware that just so happens to be one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. Yeah, I, I was immediately enamored with him and then grew to love him as a tag team wrestler once I found out that that, that was a thing. Absolutely blessed to have been at the Ring of Honor show at York Hall where we saw the Briscoes and the Young Bucks I'm pretty sure they went on after Osprey and Skull. And I was just saying earlier about a match that I felt was almost impossible to follow. And they had to follow an impossible to follow match. And they blew out. Well, well, they didn't blow out the water, but they matched it. They were able to do the unthinkable. And a large part of that was something that Josh touched on. When they came out, you truly believed those characters. They had an aura about them they had a presence and they captivated you and yeah a massive massive loss to the world of wrestling massive loss to his family fingers crossed that his two daughters are able to live normal lives after the accident and yeah just a horrible horrible thing and yeah just another reason to tell everyone that you love that that you love them because it's a short old time that we're here for isn't it yeah and that I can only add to what you guys have said, really. I've, I've, my knowledge is uh, a lot less than what you guys have just shared. But when I also um, was just starting to get into Ring of Honor, Jay was the champion. And he was just doing the storyline with Jay Lethal, trying to combine the titles, I believe. Um, so again, like with Ross, I thought he was a singles guy. 
I'll be echoing you guys when I just say authenticity being the standout tool. And if you look at their whole career, I can't dig into the depth of knowledge of Dom and Dom will know better than me, but the fact they seem to have stayed so true to those characters because they are them for this long a stretch and yet felt fresh and were able to go against new teams year on year. I mean, if you look in the last couple of years, staying away from the major promotions in the world, yet still having this feud of FTR, yet still being able to have this feud with the Gorillas of Destiny. And these feuds were seen by wrestling fans that were more casual, but still knew the Briscoes through these feuds that were going on in various promotions. Um, it's a shame they never got that chance, maybe on a slightly bigger stage to show the world how great they were as a tag team. But I, like I say, I'll repeat what's been said, just a phenomenal talent. And uh, they'll be greatly missed. But the only one positive you can take from these sort of situations is now there's an opportunity for us to all go back and appreciate it. And uh, it seems like everyone's, you know, listing off matches just here that some I've seen, some I haven't. And I'd love to go back and dip in and see what great work they've left behind as a team. Yeah, uh, 100%. Like, honestly, there's just while people are talking, I just sort of another 10 things that I should have brought up and I should have mentioned, you know, the early days versus the second City Saints. Like the, the matches with Cabana and Punk and then um, Cabana and Ace Steel and then Punk and Ace Steel and then like all the way through. So I think about it and that's – so what what would that – you know, I'm not so good with the years and the history, but I reckon that's probably 2004 from memory. So that's when I was in year 12 at school, dear listener, and I've been finished school now for coming up on 20 years. Like when I think about that, that I watched that when I was in year 12 and now – I've been a school teacher for 15 years and the thing that is the same from, you know, that the big sort of street fight that they had against the Second City Saints all the way through to GCW War Games last year, it's the Briscoes, 20 years, absolutely mad. And along the way, like, literally, uh, I don't want to say thousands, but probably thousands of matches that you could go and dive into. Um, so... Yeah, lads, I don't know. I don't know if that was good listening or not, but I'm glad we did that. And um, I felt like that was just a little bit cathartic for me in a way. So thanks for, you know, sharing your memories. And I think it was important that uh, we got the chance to do so here on the Wrestling Chili Fun podcast. We do have a second topic uh, this evening, dear listener, on our roundtable and completely different. We may have mentioned a little bit of Ring of Honor at your call, but we just thought we'd touch base a little bit about Brit Wrestling. It is February 2023, and, you know, we are a British podcast with an Australian host this week, but, you know, essentially we're just trying to have a little bit, I don't know, you want to call it a State of the Union address or a bit of a or touch and base in the world of Brit Wrestling, but what's caught our eyes recently, where are things going, and what is the state? of uh, British wrestling as we see it as sort of four people that probably go to more of it than most. So I want to lead us off, lads, top of the bill. First thing on my run sheet here, Sunshine Machine, uh, talking about great tag teams. This is not in any way to diminish the legacy of the Briscoes, but Sunshine Machine at the moment, they must be right in the upper, upper A-star echelon of tag teams in the world, not just Britain, right? Damn right. Those boys and, should yeah. have a breakout year this year. My Lord, they need to be on every show, not just in Britain, but going out to Europe, going out to North America, doing it all. They are so good. If PWG is still the same promotion, I think it is, then 
they sound like they should go over there and tear it up with a hot tag team over there and get themselves put on the indie scene over there as well. Yeah, that um, that main event of unboxing with FSU, I don't think I've ever bought as many false finishes in a match that I've been at ever. At least three or four that I've bought. Oh my God, they're going to lose. Oh my God, they're going to lose. Obviously, they didn't because they're fucking great. But yeah, I echo what you guys say. I think give them their flowers. <laughs> There's an element of like New Day to Sunshine Machine for me. Everyone loves them. They're baby faces that you're happier baby faces. They're such nice guys and you just want them to do well. There's just a swell of positivity around them at all times. And I love them. So with that being said, then, do we get a hint that there are any type of stories being developed with the Sunshine Machine that could either be maybe a a meaner or darker side or, dare I say, even some friction between the partners? I know that in progress, part of the storyline leading into the Lycos tag match, which was absolutely incredible at the last chapter show, was that the idea of Mambo being the weak link of the team. Down in Wright Cabaret, the story was somewhat the opposite, whereas Mambo was the world champion and there was almost a hint that it would be TK that would eventually cost him that singles title. It feels like there's a similar thread developing all the way through all around Britrest with Sunshine Machine where they seem to be champions everywhere, but... Could we ever see a different story developing outside of them being big babyface tag team champions? So my, I actually put on my pickums that I assumed that Lycos would win the titles in progress a few weeks ago back because my logic was, okay, they've got the record now. What is next for them? Obviously, they retain their belts, but I guess the thing is now just talking about progress. And then obviously, I think from what you've said, Dom, it kind of expands to other promotions as well. There is only so far you can go by being happy and beating everyone. Like, yeah, you can run with that for a while, but eventually, storytelling-wise, you are going to have to go in a different direction. It definitely feels like whatever that direction is, whether it's it's a straight-up turn from one or the other, or I, I think given the fact they work a number of different promotions, I feel like there's a lot of, like, you can maybe, like you're alluding to, you could have one story over here and one story over there. Not, like, completely the same, like, copy and paste, but... I think it's interesting that different companies have got kind of different threads going on. And I think eventually we'll reach a conclusion and we'll get a load of different matches off the back of that. And do you think that, like Ross and Matt, I'll ask you, do you think that there was anything to the Lycos sort of babyface promo after the most recent uh, successful tag defence from Sunshine Machine? Lycos kind of putting them over, saying that the, the standard bearers and the the best tag team in Britain and they have been for the last couple of years. Do you think, is this just a nice thing that probably wouldn't make the DVD release? Was it just for the fans in attendance or is there a story brewing, do you think? Because I've got my own theory. I'll break to you in a second. Well, I'm ready for the theory, to be honest, because I've got no strong ones of my own. Ross, I know you were too pissed to see this. (laughs) (laughs) I think that they're so well-loved that they can do the New Day thing where one of them can go for the title and the other person is just their like biggest supporter and it's lovely and it's nice. But it's a pretty basic story with not a lot of story beats. So let's hear your story. I don't know if this is going to happen at all. It's just something that I saw and I I swear I saw it. Everyone says I didn't. Mike was going to fight me about it. 
So in the last progress show, during the tag match, and keeping in mind, the story is that Mambo is the weak link and he's going to let TK down. Uh, Mambo's going to lose the belt. And Lycos has got Mambo locked in. I don't know, was it a cross-faced chicken wing or something like that? And he's got him on his back. He's choking him out. And Mambo's right hand goes down to the mat. And I swear it taps the mat, right? As Mambo taps the mat, the next thing you know, the move is reversed and Lycos's shoulders were pinned to the mat with a bridge from Mambo for the one, two, three. They celebrate big time. Even though all throughout the match it was being built, that almost like, Mambo, you've got to get the victory. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be trouble. Mambo's losing faith in himself. There was one point where TK had Lycos beaten and he tagged Mambo in saying, it's got to be you, it's got to be you, you need the confidence. So then the finish of the match, I think, was Mambo tapping that no one saw, including the referee, which makes Lycos release the hold and Mambo gets the pin. So then the Lycos chin, they cut this nice baby face promo again to continue developing. It's like, well, Mambo, you know you tapped. We're the baby faces. And then the next step in the story is going to be Lycos trying to use that against Mambo. I'm not saying that TK and Mambo are going to turn against each other. I'm not saying it's going to be a feud there. I just think we've got a little bit more to go with this Lycos claiming to be the baby faces. Mambo's actually a cheater. He knows he tapped. We deserve another shot. Just sowing the seeds in the audience's mind. To, and that's, I think that's where you get your depth to the story. It's more about the audience's doubt rather than anything actually happening in the end. I hope I, play, I painted a decent picture for people that weren't there. Did, that all made sense, fellas, right? Yeah. Someone who yeah. wasn't there, I see it. I can, I can picture it. I'm not sure if it's going that way, but I, I like the, uh, the theory being put out there. Uh, and I, I literally have not heard anyone else mention it. I tried to get the buzz going by commenting on a Lycos Instagram post. I was like, I think Mambo tapped. Nothing. Not even a like. <laughs> not even a heart react. Fucking shit, Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I think there's some more stories to be told with that. Brick rest update. Speed round. What else we got? Apparently, Eddie Dennis is going to retire from Red Pro if he doesn't win a Rumble. Ross, this is yours. What's going on? Yeah, so uh, Editor Phil went to the Rev Pro show at 229 yesterday. I said it was a, a fun show, but he felt that potentially the result of the Rumble has been spoiled by the storyline that Dennis claiming that he will retire if he doesn't win the Rumble. But I did tell him that, you know, this is Brett Ress, and just because you say that someone's retiring doesn't mean they retire. <laughs> we all saw Doug Williams <laughs> have his retirement match at, at Wembley Arena. We saw RJ Singh have a retirement match. We saw Karen Noir have a retirement match. It's fine. I think we need a maths teacher at school. (laughs) (laughs) Sign him up, Don. Yeah. It's Dom. Imagine if... um, (laughs) Imagine that. Imagine just like rolling to school, I'm helping out with the interviews. I've got an observer lesson and it's the pride of Wales. (laughs) Do, 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 <laughs> when it's time to party. We... <laughs> oh, amazing. 
Anyone else want to weigh in on uh, editor Phil? Fantastic job on the edit here, by the way, Phil. But uh, in advance, any uh, anyone else want to weigh in on Phil's idea that Eddie Dennis is definitely going to win the Rumble and dethrone is Osprey the champ? Yeah. So yeah. Um, just no. to give uh, no, he's what, not, is he? No. Bro Collins, Bro Collins, the champ. Yeah, the greatest wrestler in the world, according to Will Osprey, which he is undefeated. Just to give some uh, backup to what Phil was suggesting there. I went back on the RevPro On Demand and watched the Osprey-Eddie Dennis match. And as Phil told me he did, Osprey basically after that match cut a, a bit of a promo, not kind of at Eddie, but it was kind of like a, trying to basically motivate him and kind of half shading him and half shading. You know, Osprey's had this thing where he, he doesn't like anyone who was over there, basically. And he was kind of throwing a bit of shade at Eddie. And it was kind of, it wasn't a heel promo. It was more like a he was trying to motivate Eddie to get back to who Eddie Dennis used to be. So without following it too closely, maybe this is just a, you know, a redemption storyline they've got going in RevPro for, for Eddie Dennis. Maybe he is going to win it and then him and the greatest wrestler in the world, Great O'Connor, are going to have a match for the title. I don't know. Just to be clear, when you say who Eddie Dennis used to be, you don't mean a math teacher at Chase Community School, <laughs> <do you? laughs> uh, Yeah, I was, I was at that show. I can't remember the promo at the end of the show for some reason. Um, <laughs> I think I do think that I was suggesting a Billy Madison style academic decathlon between Will Ospreay and Eddie Dennis, <laughs> <laughs> which I think I, I think that would be a fairer contest than a wrestling match. Okay, what else we got? Brit rest speed round. Let's keep it going. We spoke about Blobby earlier. I just wanted to touch base on the fact that Blobby for Riot Cabaret cracked Lad Bible this week, fellas. Are we Lad Bible followers? Woo! Woo! Now, the, the eventual question is essentially, do you think this does anything for the independent wrestling scene in the UK, having uh, <laughs> blobby, blobby crack lad Bible? But I'm going to answer my own question first by saying, if you read the comments, I just don't, I can't believe that there's still people in the world that will go out of their way to try to sledge lad Bible for putting wrestling on the page. Why would you waste 30 seconds of your day to type the word fake? I don't understand. <laughs> like, who, who, th- these guys are not even beating Will Ospreay in an academic Wait, decathlon. Mr. Blobby's not a real person? <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, oh, I don't want to ruin anyone's Christmas, uh, Josh. It better not have been a fake Blobby because it costs us 40 quid. To get a photo <laughs> of Someone even suggested it was Ospreay under the hood. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, was, that was something that was said at the show. Yeah. I think that might have been me. I was pretty drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, does, does independent wrestling in the UK get any traction from this? Is there one person that sees that and goes, oh, wow, I wouldn't mind watching some wrestling. I thought there was only Raw. I think I can... it's more a possibility that like other promotions might not copycat, but like get another random pop icon from British culture just to pop up here and there. I don't know. Some old TV presenter, maybe. What's, what was the Brighton promotion called? Riptide. Yeah, they got Dave Benson Phillips in. They did. Yeah, he had a, he had a couple of things. He tagged with Session Moth, right? So they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it opens up the doors for every promoter to be like, how do we get on Lad Bible? How do we get seen by more people? 
And mm. yeah, I can guarantee you that the bigger promoters were watching that go viral. Absolutely seething. <laughs> I was wondering if there's like a wrestling correspondent for Sport Bible because they, they do have the odd WWE thing on there. And I was like, oh, is Sport Bible big enough that they just have one person looking after wrestling? And if not, could I please, please, please be that guy, Sport Bible? <laughs> <laughs> Just to um, add what, um, to what Dom said, I actually got sent that link from people who are very, very casual wrestling fans, at least two or three of them, saying, oh, because obviously I saw it because you guys were there. But if it's touching people who like very casually follow WWE, let alone independent wrestling, I think it's definitely stuff like that. It's definitely able to gain some traction. I've got Matt Connolly's favourite wrestler, Saxon Huxley, wins the Rise Championship. Yeah. I'm not alone in Saxon Huxley being my favourite wrestler, I should say. I feel like our fellow Matt, Matt Brummett's got a lot to say about the man as well. Yeah, come on the pod, Saxon. We'll talk about it. That's what we want. And uh, bring the belt, brother. <laughs> yeah. He seems to be enjoying himself if you go by his social media presence. He seems to be having a whale of a time knocking around in uh, promotions around the UK and just being a monster. So fair play to the boy. He's entertaining yeah. as fuck. So I want to see more. I just saw the. The, 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 like, I wasn't at the Rise show. Like, I have been to a couple of Rise shows and really enjoyed them. I'd recommend them if you're in the north of England um, and if you like a bit of deathmatch. But the pop that Saxon got when he returned, mate, it was Hogan levels. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. It was like, I was like, oh, here he is. He's, he's home, the returning hero, local lad turned hero, Saxon Huxley, the muscle cat winning the belt and just it was a great story because like they they've had a long-term heel champion leonardo darwin and just yeah huxley returns with some help from the promoter it was it's a strange story actually rise because instead of doing the evil promoter they've done the babyface promoter versus the evil heel champion so yeah it was kind of kind of cool and huxley returned to to win the belt amazing stuff uh i'm running out of dot points here but the last one i wanted to touch on for our brit rest roundup and uh, State of the Union address is OTT. Now, uh, someone's now yelling down their headphones, Ireland is not the UK, you Australian prick. I'm aware. I'm aware. But OTT running Wolverhampton, which I'm pretty sure last time I checked is in the UK, and they're doing it on St. Patrick's Day. Now, this is pretty exciting just because I'm – Hopefully going to make the trip up there to mark my St. Patrick's Day. Um, perfect for the day that's in it is a couple of pints of the black stuff and also an opportunity to see John Moxley. Or so I thought. Mr. Ross Casey tells me that there might be a slight chance of a problem with some bookings for Moxley. Ross, do you care to fill us in here from the Twitterverse? Yeah, so Moxley was announced what, two, three weeks ago now for OTT. Everyone very excited for it. Obviously something that was announced pre-pandemic and sadly didn't happen was seemingly going to happen in 2023. But potentially there's a bit of a hiccup because Tony Khan has started to announce that AEW will be starting house shows uh, very soon and as a way to make more money um, and for the wrestlers to be getting some more uh, bumps and unfortunately, one of those dates is the 17th of March. So whether Moxley will just fulfill his booking and miss a house show, as it's just a house show, in inverted commas, or if he's obliged as one of the kings of AEW to do that show above a indie show, we're not too sure. 
just rumours at this point, but it would suck if we do miss out on Moxley again. And yeah, it's just one of those things that obviously Brit Rest sometimes gets a bad rap for some pretty underhand business practices. And if OCT are aware that this is a problem and they're waiting until it sells out and then they're going to tell people that would be a bit shit. But I'm sure, I'm sure they wouldn't be doing that. Um, but yeah, that's the latest update on that. And uh, hopefully Mox um, is able to have a Guinness with Dom because that's the content we want to see on Instagram. Mate, he's a recovering alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can have a 0%er. Yeah, well, that's true. Maybe I'll introduce him to a 0% Guinness. That'd be nice. There is no, po- like, sure, there's a chance that Moxie doesn't make the show. I am almost certain that he's going to be there. Like, I, I don't think, I think this is just like a bit of, a bit of smoke. AEW can book a successful house show without him. Um, he could cut a promo on the screen or whatever and get a pop. AEW won't advertise him. I don't think it's going to be a problem. There's And what that means for Britrest then, to bring it all back, is go and see Moxley and Wolverhampton whilst you fucking can. Because there may not be that many more opportunities. Is that the show where he's against Trent? Is that the match? Yeah. 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 So Trent Seven, local Wolverhampton boy, uh, versus one of the best wrestlers in the world, John Moxley in Wolverhampton. If you need any more recommendations from me, dear listener, other than a potential pint of Guinness uh, with everyone's favorite Aussie, the Wolverhampton venue, I don't know if you've been there, Josh, but fuck me, it's a good wrestling venue. Uh, I'm more excited by the fact it's like an actually easier trip for me to get to Wolverhampton. <laughs> I'm quite lucky in the sense that London is only a train ride away. But no, I'm, I'm strongly considering that one, actually. The fact it's on a Friday night as well, rather than a Sunday, is, is fucking great for me. Is it? You haven't been to the venue before? Uh, I haven't been to that one, actually. I was kind of astounded that they booked the, the St. Patrick's Day show in Wolverhampton, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. We were talking earlier about how Brit Rest promoters can go viral. Obviously, this is dependent on other things. But if Trent Seven is going to AEW full time and you can get a post-match contract handover from Moxley to Trent and the crowd popping for it, there's your viral moment. Yeah, I think that that I, like, geez, we're a lot of we got a lot of bridges to cross before that happens, right? But I think that would be pretty amazing. I don't know what what would you guys think about uh, Trent in AEW? I loved him on Rampage. I thought he was great. <laughs> they really need another body. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. The roster's about to slip into double digits, so they probably need to stick another fifteen new signings in there to work <laughs> yeah. Rampage Dark and Elevation. I actually heard they were going to change his name to Trent 207 to signify the, <laughs> the number of signings. He'll be Trent 7-0 and 0 after a month because he'll win on dark twice a week. Like, the numbers of those wrestlers that you never see are crazy. Like Tony Nese is like 30 and 5. You're like, I've only so, seen him lose the 5. Yes. Yeah, Sir so, <laughs> so, so Pentico is the most winning athlete in yeah. AW history. You're goddamn right. Weird roster they've got. People must be watching that though. Like I don't know. Like I'm too old to understand the YouTubes, but I, I assume that there must be youngsters that just watch that because of the internet market. I guess I don't know. For those of you who are listening or also on the pod with me who watch Botchamania, you'll be aware that the commentary on that show from Taz and Excalibur is is something in itself to just behold. It seems like they're not scripted. 
they're not talked to in their ear at all. And Taz is an absolute wild man on commentary on that show. Shooter Jones. Something, <laughs> something like that. that. Those are my points about Brit Rest Lads. Anything that's jumping out at you as we sort of wind down for this week's episode and this week's roundtable? Do we want to put any other ducks in a row? Well, I know we kind of are always the, the ones to do the rah-rah speech and say how good everything is, but I do really feel like we're in a good moment. I mean, I think Progress have got some good stories going on at the top of the card. I think RevPro's got a lot of buzz with this Rumble and the Michael Oku versus Zack Sabre Jr. match coming up. You've got all these smaller promotions. Obviously, Riot Cabaret now have gone viral. And there's promotions like, you know, uh, we've got OTT running in the hangar there. That'll be great. Like, there seems to be a lot happening all over the country again. And plus that, we're exporting, guys. You know, if guys like Leon Slater, Joe Lando are going over and, and putting in good performances in GCW and stuff. Uh, obviously, Oku was in Bowler as well. It does feel like a really good moment at the moment. And hopefully the momentum carries on through the year. And we, you know, we had our boom probably, but hopefully we can get somewhere nearer with the guys coming back from those WNAW contracts as well. And I think it's a really good spot right now. Yeah, not just the people coming back from contracts, WNAW, but like potentially more opportunities for us. Progress is our local promotion. Maybe now that the network deal is done, this is just all hearsay from me, but I, would ex- I wouldn't expect, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't blow the roof off my doors if we had a couple of AW talents come super strong style season. Yeah. And your prediction uh, from uh, two years ago can come in, Dom. <laughs> what when was it? Char- be, uh, Char- AW Char- and WWE stars in the same strong style and Swerve didn't get his flight and it, it all fell through for you. Yeah, it that was fun. unlucky. Uh, luckily, we don't keep score or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you probably got a point yeah I, I still think uh, Charlie Evans is going to break through on TV one of these years lads uh, that's probably about all we have time for for this week what do you reckon we uh, we hit all the bases I I, uh, I can't believe that I missed an opportunity to, to push uh, Darby Allen having a world's best performance on his skateboard in the hangar but anyway I missed out on a Tony Hawk chance that's okay I think that's about it for me. Anyone want to plug anything or anything like that? My final point on the state of Britress address from Wrestling Should Be Fun is, as we've said, it's in a positive place. Let's not ruin it by making this British scene as toxic as the American scene. And I only watch AEW. I only watch WWE. I only watch Impact. Your guys suck. Your stuff is terrible. Let's all just watch British wrestling and enjoy it. And that goes for everyone from promoters through to fans. Please, let's not be like the Americans. <laughs> Ross Casey loves everything, except Ryan Cabaret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that the English fans uh, would never accuse each other of any toxic positivity or anything, so we're good. <laughs> Apart Bring from Spike. It back. <laughs> I forgot about that toxic positivity. <laughs> Gee, geez, that Bret Hart was pretty good, wasn't he? Toxic positivity. <laughs> fucking hell alright lads let's uh, let's round this up that's about all we have time for on this week's episode of Wrestling Should Be Fun dear listener Uh, for Josh the Fox Heedy for Ross the Boss Casey for a very very brief and not even one word cameo from Matthew (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> for Big Laddie Cool, Matt Connolly. I'm this week's host, Dom Philp on the mic, not too hard, not too soft, but just right. Make sure you hit us up on social media. It's WSBFUN on Twitter, Wrestling Should Be Final One World on Instagram. Rate, review, subscribe. And until next week, drink lots of water. Look after you, mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.